Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 1988 to look at Corey Haim's action horror monster movie Watchers. So let's go into the woods, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. It's known that Bannadyne has conducted classified biological research for the National Security Organization. Any reason for our viewers to be concerned? None whatsoever. Although the research animals which were kept here have been destroyed, absolutely no toxic elements have been released in Who escaped? GH3. The dog? And one of the oxcoms. Are the oxcom and the dog still telepathically linked? On a biofrequency that only the oxcom can receive. Travis Cornell made a new friend today. And it may just cost him his life. The dog was like a homing device. The creature, a search and destroy missile. You know what happened to Tracy's, don't you? Travis had a dog. No, no pets. Travis, is that you? You control it, it's gotta be stopped. GH3? It's a code, you're a research animal. That's why you're so smart. They created the perfect killer. As long as he's with the dog, his life is in danger. Now, how are they going to stop it? It's after you, isn't it? I stay, you die. And I say we make a stand right here, right now. From the best-selling science fiction thriller by Dean R. Koontz. And welcome back guys. So the synopsis of this film is a boy takes in a stray dog, later discovering that it is an ultra-intelligent runaway being stalked by a dangerous creature from the same genetic research lab. It's an action horror sci-fi, it's got a 91 minute runtime, and it's an R-rated movie. It was directed by an American film director called John Hess. Um, this is one of his first major studio movies with Universal. And before this he did a Mad Max type movie called Lordless Land. I've never actually heard of that until I did the research. And he went on to go and string, do a string of very low budget movies. He actually did the sequel to Alligator. The hit monster movie from 1980 starring Robert Foster from The Black Hole. And actually, I might have to um, cover that one for Bite Size. In fact, I think I will cover that one for Bite Size when I think about it. But going back to this movie, so um, it was backed by Universal. Uh, it's a low-budget horror movie. It didn't do very well at the box office. It didn't do very well at all, actually. It did $940,000, so it was just under a million. But I think it actually did a little bit better on the VHS rental at the time. Like most movies, uh, when they're released on VHS, they um, tend to do a little bit better on the rental market. And next to it not doing very well at the box office, um, it didn't do very well critically either. Um, critics didn't really like it. And when you look on IMBD, a lot of people don't like this movie. So you might ask yourself why RJ is reviewing this film. Well, let me explain why. Um, I always like to shout out The Underdog, as much as I like to do the films that we all know and love, and 
And always lots of review films that I like as well, and some of those unknown movies. So um, I thought I'd give this one a shout out, and I will kind of explain why I like it and um, why I think it probably deserves a little bit more love than it than it gets. So one of the first things is just explain why critics didn't like this film is because it was based on a uh, famous novel, a novel which I haven't read. It's by Dean Koontz, um, an incredibly successful horror writer. And he's known for suspense thrillers, fantasy, sci-fi, horror. He's written 105 novels, um, 450 million novels um, sold worldwide. And it's not the only time his novels have been turned into movies. You've got Demon Seed from 1977 with uh, Robert Vaughan. And you also got Phantoms, which is kind of like a bit of an isolation movie starring Ben Affleck, which came out in, I think it was the 90s, early 2000s. But the main gripe with this movie with the fans of Dean Koontz is that when they watched the movie they said it doesn't it doesn't hold up to the book very well and that's a very common thing. Um, it's a little thing I hear a lot of people say. That's fair enough, you know, it's fair enough. But the thing you've got to look at with this film is that they do say it is not just based on the book, it's very loosely based on the book. So someone's taken the basic concept and turned it into a film, which is kind of how I've seen it now, revisiting it. So um, I kind of, like I said, I'm not. I kind of get what um, people say, you know, when they read a book and they see it turned into a movie. But um, let me explain the other thing here from me. <laughs> and this is the common thing with films, and I think a lot of us could probably be. I don't know, I want to say use the word guilty or not, but I watched this when I was about 12 years old. And this is the other thing I like about it: stars Corey Haim. And the year before this, he had just starred in the hugely successful horror movie, horror vampire movie, The Lost Boys, with Corey Feldman. And it's a brilliant movie, and it's a film that we all love in the horror world. I don't know anybody that doesn't like that film, so I just watched that. And he also went on to go and star in another film called License to the Drive with Corey Feldman. It's another great movie, so you can see what's going on here. I've gone Corey Haim, you know, his big deal, you know. We all loved him as fans back then. He's a pretty cool character. He's a guy that we all wanted to be as like 12 year old. So you can sort of see where I'm going here. So, so going back to around about 89, 90, uh, a friend of mine who actually introduced me to a lot of horror. You know, he, him and his brother introduced me to uh, Demons, Freddy Krueger, uh, The Lost Boys, and one day I turned up, it was in the summer, on my BMX bike, and he said, hey, Oh, Joe, I've got this uh, new VHS today. It's called Watchers. And he sold it to me by saying it's got Corey Haim in it. And I was like, wow, that's the kid from The Lost Boys. And I was like, I'm, I'm sold. And then he said to me, it's about him fighting a monster in the woods. You know, he's like a cool dude. And, you know, he has to sort of save the day. He's got to rescue his mum and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, wow. And I watched it. And I was entertained by it. So what I'm saying is I watched this as a 12-year-old. So you get that sort of nostalgia. And at that time, you don't realise that this film was based on a book or anything like that, or it didn't do very well at the box office. You just, I just watched it, summer of 89, from the VHS store. I was entertained, I loved it, and I suppose when I revisited it, I still remember that nostalgia. And it, for all its uh, faults where it's not, you know, where people say it's, you know, it's not a very good adaption, it didn't do very well, and... You can see it's a budget movie. I still like it, so that's why I'm shouting it out today. It's kind of RJ going back to the 80s with the nostalgia and all that thing. And I imagine 
Some of you guys listening to this could probably say there is a movie that you can say is the same, you know, one where everybody says, no, I don't really like that film, but you're sort of stead there going, but yeah, I kind of liked it, but no one else does. So um, anybody sort of listening to this going, oh yeah, yeah, I sort of get what he's saying. So <laughs> hopefully I'm reaching out to you. But come away from that uh, nostalgia of mine there, let's go back to the movie and talk a little bit about the other things in this film where you've also got uh, Michael Ironside that stars in this movie. He's always good in a movie, he's always good to see. So, you know, it's got a, it's got a good supporting cast in it. Um, it was backed by Universal. Its music was by Joel Goldsmith, who is the son of Jerry Goldsmith, the composer of some great movies such as Alien and Gremlins. And it's also got Roger Corman as executive producer and he is known as the trailblazer of Hollywood for independent movies and he has done a ton of them. He's done about 400 in total. And you may be familiar with some of these movies, uh, one or two of them being Battle Beyond the Stars and Piranha, just a name, just a few out of the 400. And although the film didn't do very well critically or commercially at the box office, it actually spawned three sequels. Can you believe that? Um, so obviously it did all right at the VHS market because I think it spawned some direct-to-video um, sequels. One of them, the second one with uh, Mark Singer, the guy from the Beastmaster and the hero from the V TV show. He, um, he turned up in number two. I haven't seen the sequels. But I don't think they get any better as they go along, um, apparently, looking at the reviews. So, um, yeah, so three sequels spawned a little bit of a franchise. And my final verdict, um, before I go into the bite-sized review of this film, you know, after talking about the production and the nostalgia I have for this film and all that sort of stuff, is I actually think that this film could do with a remake, um, being based on a famous popular novel by a horror writer, I think with a little bit of a budget and a good cast, I think this film could probably do quite well right now, especially where the horror market seems to be booming. So I think this film could do with a remake. I don't always say that about films. You know, some films out there you should never touch. But with this one, um, yep, yeah, I think it totally deserves that. And who knows, maybe we might get that. So, And the fans will get the movie that they all want, which would probably be a little bit more related to the book. So there you go. Um, so let's go and have a look at this movie and let's do a bite-sized review of Watchers. So the film starts, it gets straight into it, it don't hang about, there's a massive explosion at a research lab in the middle of nowhere and you get a golden retriever that escapes, you see it running through the woods after all the carnage and then you hear a monster come running out like a sort of Sasquatch type monster and it's a mutated scientific experiment created by the army as the ultimate killing machine and it's called Oxcom it's called outside experimental combat manual and it escapes into the woods and it chases after the golden retriever and the basic concept for Oxcom is wherever the golden retriever goes the monster goes as well so you can see what's going to happen here the retrievers run away and the monster follows and causes all the carnage and that's basically the main plot of this movie you're then introduced to our hero Travis Cornell, who is played by Corey Haim, and he is having a little bit of um, a kiss and a cuddle with his girlfriend in the hay barn. And the girlfriend is frightened that um, the father might walk in, but whilst having a bit of a kiss, you hear a monster growl, and this is where her father walks in with a shotgun, warning Travis off. Travis uh, runs away, goes to his truck, and as he drives off, the golden retriever jumps into the back of the truck. 
Travis gets home and he befriends the dog and he works out that the dog has some special psychic abilities. He, um, he responds to the commands, he's very intelligent. But then whilst all this is going on, you get a cutscene back to the barn. You get um, Travis's girlfriend, she, she goes to explore the barn, she can hear the growling, she gets knocked over by the beast but not killed. And then her father comes in with a gun and this is where you get your first kill scene where the, you see, just see a... You don't really see the monster, you just see like a claw um, kill him and you get some blood and all that. So you get your first kill scene here. And then you've got the army and some special agents that are trying to track down the monster. And this is where you get introduced to Michael Ironside who is a special agent named Johnson who is... Um, dispatched to go and retrieve these animals or this monster oxcom. The next morning um, Travis mother informs him that Tracy was involved in an accident and she's at the hospital so they go to the hospital but when they arrive there they find Agent Johnson and his partner who will not allow them to see her. Travis pushes past Johnson and he gets into the room only to find it empty and he finds out from Johnson that she has been transferred to another location, a safer location. This is where Travis gets suspicious now because he notices that the agents are carrying guns and always not what it appears to be right now. He goes back home and he introduces the dog to his mother and she's displeased at first but when she notices the level of intelligence she, she allows him to keep the dog. And this is where Travis gives him a bath and he notices that there's a tattoo on the dog's ear called GH3 and this is where he puts two and two together and he realises that the dog is actually from a research lab with super intelligence. The next day Travis goes to school and the dog follows him to school and he goes into the classroom and he tries to keep it quiet and the dog starts to bark and then this is where Travis gets in trouble, he gets put into detention and this is where the dog finds a computer and uses a pencil to tap on the keys and tries to tell Travis that he is in danger. So he's basically trying to warn him that this monster is on its way because that's how it all works and um, danger is following. And you get another scene here where the dog ran through some woods and you get some kids that are on bikes and you get another kill scene here. You get a, like a, some POV shots of the monster growling, chasing after the kids. Um, attacks them, chucks one of them off the bike. You've got a kid with glasses, a clever scene, he gets thrown off the bike. You don't actually see him get killed, but you see his glasses fall on the floor and you get some blood sort of dripping off it. So the, the kill scenes in this movie, it's quite high actually, you get quite a number. And from here onwards, the movie actually runs at a pace because um, now Oxcom has taken on those kids on the bike. It runs towards the school. You, again, you get another POV shot. you now got Travis in detention on his own at school. The monster comes into the school, it takes on some staff members. Like I say, you get loads of like kill scenes, blood flying everywhere. You get a staff member running away, uh, get on, gets onto a telephone, calls the police. It's where the uh, local sheriff, you know, it's one of those typical, someone's trying to call for help and the sheriff's going, are you sure? Are you sure? And then there's a person screaming on the other end of the phone. The phone goes down, gets killed, and the sheriff's gone, oh, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end the um, sheriff decides to go and investigate with a deputy they get to the school and they don't save the day either because they get taken out by the uh, monster you get another kill scene here it's quite a brutal one where you get some like eyes bulging out and 
like blood going everywhere. But one of the deputies manages to get away and inform the authorities. And this is where people start to realise that something bad is going down. There is actually a monster loose and this is where Travis realises that as well. So the score has been contained, all the authorities turn up. Um, the sheriff talks to Agent Johnson, this is where, like say, Michael Ironside turns up and the sheriff goes, we've got something serious here, this is a monster, this is something weird, you know, he puts two and two together, it's possibly a scientific lab experiment and he asks Johnson for questions, he says, you know, you want to tell me what's going on? And then Johnson says, well, yeah, let me tell you and he goes, let's just walk this way, he takes the sheriff aside and this is where you get a twist now where Johnson actually kills the sheriff. He, he mutilates him, doesn't just shoot him. He smashes his head through a window and he starts gouging out his eyes. So you're sort of thinking at this point, oh, what's this, a little bit of a twist here? Which all becomes apparent later on. Travis then goes back home. This is where he bumps into a family friend who is fixing the washing machine and he mentions that Johnson stopped by asking about the dog. And this is where Travis realises that he is now in danger and possibly being tracked down. Travis tries to escape the house, he gets into his truck but then he's stopped by his mother. But whilst all this is happening, let's say the carnage is just like flowing now. Inside the house the mon monster has managed to break in. He kills the guys um, fixing the washing machine. His head gets like chopped off so they go back into the house and they find this and this is where They've now got to try and escape for their lives. The mother realises, you know, that what Travis is saying is true. And now you get a scene where Travis, the dog, and his mother are trying to escape from their life. You don't, and again, but you don't really see the monster. You only see like some claws and little shots here. They don't, they don't do like a massive reveal here. So they jump onto a adjacent rooftop. Travis manages to get hold of a Winchester rifle. He shoots back at the monster. And whilst he's trying to repel the monster with the gun, he gets his mum to start up the truck and they all manage to escape. But uh, the dog gets injured along the way, so they have to take him to a veterinarian to um, treat his wounds. But they kind of get double-crossed by the vet because then he calls the authorities and then this is where Agent Johnson gets his lead and he finds out that's where Travis is now. Travis' mother now creates a diversion and he manages to get away with the dog and he goes to a old cabin in the woods you get like a cabin in the woods scenario now where he takes the dog but travis mother she's been like i say she's been captured um she gets taken to a sedated uh tracy the girl at the beginning and she's been taken as hostage and whilst all this is going on, you now got Travis who's basically setting up for like a final battle. It's a pretty cool scene here. He starts making up um, Molotov cocktails, bombs, he starts getting his weapons together. And it's a pretty cool scene here. You know, he's possibly going to have a final showdown with the monster. So he's basically setting everything up to lure this monster to the cabin. But then with his mother and Tracy taken as hostages, this is where... Um, Johnson arrives at this cabin outside. He's with some fellow agents and this is where you get Travis with that Molotov cocktail. He throws it at Johnson, it all blows up. Um, Travis's mother manages to get away. She runs into the cabin with Tracy and there's a bit of a firefight. And this is where Agent Johnson's partner begins to realise that there is actually something wrong with him and he now sort of sides with Travis but before he can do anything to help out this is where Johnson kills his partner 
And you've now got this like big reveal where Johnson is actually the third experiment. He's actually one of the monsters. He's a genetically engineered assassin that has no conscience. So like I say, you get like a big twist there where you think it's the Oxcom monster that is doing all the killing, which it is. You think that's the main threat, which it still is kind of, but you've also got Johnson now as well. In a fight with Johnson now, Travis gets stabbed in the leg, but the dog then comes to his aid. He comes crashing through a window, and this is where Travis pulls that knife out of his leg and he chucks it through the neck of Johnson. But Johnson is unfazed by this, and he says, I'm going to kill you, but then... Travis's mother comes out with a shotgun and then just blows him to blows him apart. So then he is taken out. So now you've got left here now is the main threat from the monster. So they set everything up. They get their guns. They get the Molotov cocktails. They attack the beast when it when it arrives. So you kind of get this final showdown here. They shoot it. It gets wounded and it runs off into the woods. And then Travis follows it with a dog in the truck. And they find it wounded in the woods and at first Travis finds it difficult to actually try and kill this beast he finds it he has a moment where he sort of feels sorry for it but then the beast tries to lunge out at him and then this is where he finishes him off by shooting it so with Johnson now stopped and the beast destroyed this is where Travis regroups with his mother and Tracy and they get into the truck and they drive off and then you basically got the where the film ends here now with the cabin burning down in the background and then you just get the end credits so that is the end of the film guys that is pretty much it so all in all watches is basically it's like a sort of chase movie i suppose you could say that's kind of like the sort of final roundup it it kind of i say this a lot on the show it kind of does what it says on the tin um you know like i say you've got a beast that escapes from a science lab with a dog you've got the hero you get a lot of people that get killed along the way and then you get like a final showdown with a twist. So, you know, as I said earlier, you know, my final verdict here, I know it didn't do very well, but it's, you know, it's a fun movie. It's worth checking out. It's only on for like an hour and a half. You know, it's, it's good entertainment. If you're a horror fan, I'm, I'm sure you'll love it. And like I say, it's got Corey Haim in it, who's, you know, doing very, doing very well at the time with The Lost Boys and stuff like that. So... Yeah, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Go check it out. Go find it. And it's also got a really good front cover. I like the I like the front cover art on it as well, where you've got a picture of Corey Haynes' face with the picture of the beast sort of reaching out and the title Watchers, which I think is a pretty good title as well. So there you go, guys. That is my bite-sized review of Watchers. And I suppose that's my final, but verdicts, as I said earlier, I think it probably deserves a remake. I think it could... Uh, definitely do with that so there you go hope you enjoyed that guys i will be back soon with a special guest ricky morgan for one of my favorite movies which is big trouble in little china so that will be dropping soon so look out for that and for a bit of admin guys i'm a proud member of the legion podcast network so please go and check out all the other shows on there i will play a promo at the end of this and you can find the bite-sized cinema on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and several other players on the internet if you type in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion you'll find some other players on there to listen to the show and I've also got a Facebook page so you post anything on there, post any sort of film recommendations like that so that's it guys um, like I say keep it bite size keep it safe and I will see you soon
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.